Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegich. My guest today is Adam Evers, someone I've known professionally since we worked together on a site for Famous Daves. He is the client, me is the vendor. Since then, he started at least two companies that I know of and has worked for numerous startups and mature businesses in Silicon Valley. He loves bacon, and I believe he has a website dedicated to it, which I'll ask him about. He's the founder of Believer, which I hope to spend quite some time talking about today. Hey, Adam, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. So this whole bacon thing, <laughs> either you like bacon or you're wrong. I don't know why I can remember that, but you have a website about that? I do, I do, I do. It's either you like bacon or you're wrong.com. Okay. What's the story behind that? Um, honestly, it, there, it just was an idea at one point in time where I was like, why does, why does this website not exist? Um, it actually came from famous Dave's where there was a bunch of people that just really, really like bacon. Um, <laughs> and surprise. Uh, and we actually created a whole campaign around it. And then one of the, one of the things that I asked for when I was leaving was, Hey, can I, can I buy the domain from you and like all the copyright trademark stuff? And so I did. <laughs> that was a good, um, that was a good move. Are you selling t-shirts with bacon on it yet? I am not. Uh, so actually what it does is there's some tracking pixels. Um, and so I actually retarget people based on that information uh, with some social ads. Great. I just went to the site, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing those. <laughs> expect the ads. Yeah, expect <laughs> the ads. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning. I know you're from Minnesota, but I'm not exactly sure where and when. So where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah, for sure. So I was born in Southern California. Um, oh. I grew yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in Newport Beach, Irvine, that whole area. And then we moved on. Uh, I moved to Colorado Springs uh, when I was, I believe, 11 or 12 with my father and my mom. Uh, my dad got a job with um, a company called Atmel. Um, they were a big semiconductor factory out there um, for a long time. And then from there, uh, we moved to Minnesota. And then uh, I moved back to Northern California in San Francisco, where I am now. You know, for the longest time, or for all this time, I thought you were born and bred in Minnesota. <laughs> I don't know whether to take that as a compliment <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I take that as a compliment. Okay, okay, I will. <laughs> well, I know you went to Bethel University, right? Yes, I did. I went to Bethel University, graduated in 2010. With a degree in marketing and entrepreneurship. Was, was that a new degree back then, or was that how... Like, how did you end up doing that? Yeah, that was actually the first year that they offered the degree. I was the first cohort of people um, that went through the entrepreneurship program there, um, which was a ton of fun. I actually started the um, Bethel Entrepreneurship Club uh, way back in the day, too. And that's still going strong today, I would assume. It is. Uh, it actually got incorporated into a bigger club. Um, and the goal was to make the club broad, not just a business club, but for anybody to be able to join. So we had people from like graphic design that wanted to be freelancers. Uh, we had people from, um, even the, like the ceramics department that wanted to sell their ceramics, um, kind of ad hoc. And so, yeah, it was really, really cool. It, we had a, a big diverse group of people. I, you know, I don't think you want to be an entrepreneur when you grow up, right? That's kind of just something that's in your blood. So I'm going to ask you, what did you actually want to be when you grow up? Uh, so the best, my mom has a great story about this, but when I was, um, when I was in 
fifth grade, we had a Halloween um, contest at, at school and I went as Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of always wanted to own my own company and always want to own my own tech company for, you know, the longest, as for as far back as I can remember, to be honest. Um, which I know is, is fairly rare. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think of yourself as a tech guy with marketing chops and creative chops, or do you think of yourself as a marketing guy with tech chops or some other combination? Like how, how does that work in your head? Yeah. Um, I am a starter and a problem solver. Um, and I use marketing and technology to do that. So that's kind of how I'm, I, I frame myself. Like what I'm really good at is I'm really good at starting things and I'm really good at solving problems. Um, and so that has always kind of been at the forefront of my mind um, on how I approach uh, kind of just about everything. Um, I would definitely say I'm more of a, of a marketing guy with like a tech background. I'm not as technical as I would hope to be or as I would, I, I would want to be, but you know, I, I dabble, I dabble here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you dabble quite successfully. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> oh, so, thank you. <laughs> so you've been at major Silicon Valley players, but you've always, you've always got a side hustle. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, that's actually one thing that's, that's, that's caused some drama in my life with most companies. Uh, but thankfully I've been able to work through that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've always kind of had a side hustle, um, for sure. You, let's, let's talk about one of them that you, uh, started while you were here in Minneapolis, um, Coindera. It's now five years old. To me, it feels like it's still, you know, six months old, but, um, it's been around for five whole years and it's a platform for cryptocurrency alerting. That's kind of the way I'm summarizing it. Um, tell me about the the itch you had to scratch that made you start Coindera. And then kind of correct me. Tell me exactly what Coindera is as well, please. Yeah, for sure. So um, Coindera, you actually got it like perfectly. Uh, the marketing message clearly worked really, really well on you. Okay, so good. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Coindera, uh, ultimately, we, we monitor about 32 different cryptocurrency markets um, and then do pricing analysis uh, based on a bunch of different triggers for, for our customers and then send them either push notifications, text messages, emails, that type of thing. So really, it was a need for myself. Um, uh, most of my side projects and side hustles are, are normally um, things that I have seen or I have felt pain in. And I'm like, I need to build this, so I'm just going to build it for me. <laughs> um, and that's how Coindera started. So Coindera actually started as coinauthority.io. Um, and then it transformed into Coindera. So I was uh, a day trader um, for Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency um, back in, man, that was like five years ago. And so I would stay up <laughs> for hours watching charts on, you know, multiple screens and, and, you know, watch uh, price movements and that type of thing and just uh, buy and sell. And so uh, finally I was like, this is dumb. Like why, <laughs> I don't want to stay up till two o'clock in the morning doing this. I should just set an, uh, build something that, that calls me or texts me. And so um, I set up a, just a quick and easy kind of, kind of thing and then told some friends about it. They're like, Oh, I want to use that. And so, uh, it kind of came, became a thing. And then, uh, it became Coindera and now it's, um, you know, it's been running for five years. We're profitable. It's, it's a good little side business. I mean, we have 50,000 people have signed up, registered users have signed up. I think actually, no, I think it's 60 now. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. 
basically bootstrap this thing yourself and effectively your everything to everyone, your customer service, your business development, your development, your uh, QA, your DevOps. Did I, did yeah. I get that right? Yep. yep. I, I'm an all-in-one startup. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But with the tools we have these days, it, it it's certainly a whole lot easier to do, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, with automation, uh, you know, you have Zapier, you have uh, Zendesk. There's a bunch of just different ways in which you can automate a lot of this process that makes it fairly easy. Um, so I try to I try to automate as much as I possibly can, um, you know, when I, when, I, when I start a company and do something. Um, at least from a technology perspective, it just makes it fairly easy to, to kind of iterate and move forward quickly. So the other company you started is Believer, your newest company. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. starting a company is really nothing new to you by this stage, right? What what is Believer? That's a great question. Um, So Believer is an LGBTQ plus Christian dating app. It's going to be a community and a platform, really. Um, Really the biggest reason, you know, why we're creating this and and the kind of the vision around it is to create a a, a safe space um, for LGBTQ plus Christians. And I think... You know, the, the initial reaction that I normally get in, um, is why, right? Like, why, why, why do we need this? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which I think is a good question. Like, at, at least you're thinking about it, right? Um, so for Believer, like, the, one of the main reasons why I created Believer was really because uh, <laughs> meeting my own need, um, for sure. So, you know, I've, I'm a gay Christian myself, and I've been looking for connection and trying to find, you know, my, my future mate um, or spouse and just really haven't been satisfied with the current options out there. Um, the, the current options, uh, options out there are just not really focused or tailored for the demographic, uh, my specific demographic that we're kind of looking for. And so um, I decided that I think that I can do online dating better than Match.com and uh, Grinder and Scruff and all these other uh, apps, uh, even Tinder. So yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was matching people and, and connecting with people based on values um, versus just uh, based on you know swiping left and right on, 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 on humans. And I think one of the things that makes me that's hard for me is I think these apps have dehumanized us in, in a way um, where there's been this um, almost commercialization of humanity <laughs> to some extent where you are a product, right? Like you are a, you are a tile on a screen and you are either swipe left on or swipe right on. And that, that just feels very, as a, as a human, I just don't like that because I don't think that that, um, that really provides like a, a good experience for either parties, right? Like you would never in a bar, <laughs> if someone came up to you and was like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Adam. You'd probably have like the common human decency to respond and be like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm blah, blah, blah. And you know, if you're not interested, you might be like, Hey, you know, cool. I'm not interested, but, um, that's just not how interactions work online. And, uh, and, and I think products can be built to actually help with that in, in those interactions. Um, and so that's just a big passion uh, for me, uh, for sure. You talked about value-based matching. What do you mean by mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so uh, there, there are a couple other solutions that do provide something more value-based. Um, most of them include like a, like a very long list of questions that you have to answer, and they try to you know, create this compatibility score and match you and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm more of a believer of there are, you know, values that people hold and you can actually find out what those values are fairly easily. Uh, there's a, there's a Stanford kind of study that came out that helps show 
uh, it's, a, it's a quiz, really. It's about 50 different categories of values, and then you select which values most align with you, um, and then you go through an exercise of, of nailing the, or of uh, removing the values until you get to like your top five, and then ultimately your one. Um, and then through that process, uh, you're really able to see, okay, like these are my top five values, and this is my number one value, and then we're going to use those values to then match you with other people um, that share those same values, right? So. Um, there's been a bunch of studies, uh, on a bunch of studies in um, a bunch of different, um, uh, psychological journals around how matching based on values or matching with another person based on values in a, in a relationship provides a, um, a better stability for that relationship. Uh, there's, they last longer, they're more healthy, you know, all, all the good things that you want ultimately in a relationship. Have you thought about how the interface to select your potential date match friend will look um i you you talk about value-based matching and i would imagine that you're filtering or that you plan to filter users based on your values find the highest matches but ultimately you still have to provide a ui to the mm -hmm. user H have you thought about how you might be different than swipe left swipe right Mm -hmm. um, so one of the big things is uh, how, how what you first get to see. Uh, we want to help or we want to allow users to choose what that is. Um, so specifically, like we if, if a user, for example, um, doesn't want to show a picture first, uh, but maybe wants to show like a video um, or maybe wants to show like a, uh, some text or some words or maybe it's just an emoji, you know, whatever that whatever and however they want to present themselves to this to this person to then like to then either select or not select that will allow that. So that could even be like, hey, I just want to show like my my five values and then um, people can drill down and start to interact with their with their profile if you will, a little bit more. Um, and then also within just their profile, they will have the ability to, to select what they do want to share and what they don't want to share, right? So like from a public perspective, there are things that people might not want to share, um, whether that's, you know, sexual orientation because maybe they're not out of the closet yet, um, or maybe it's something else, you know, that there's a bunch of just kind of factors that we have to consider. Um, and we want to make sure that we provide all the users with, with a good experience and a, an experience where they feel safe and then uh, open to connection because, Really, you can't form connection and deep connection unless you feel safe in an environment. And that's probably the most important thing. So it's not just another dating app. It's a community and a platform that you're building. You got it. Um, so one of the things that, you know, the dating app is definitely, you know, phase one, if you will. Um, but phase two and one of the differentiators that we're going to have in there is, is um, this kind of thought process around um uh, around chat rooms, right? And so, uh, way back in the day, uh, <laughs> you had, you know, aim and you had, you know, gay.com and gaychatroom.com and that type of thing. And that's how, you know, ultimately people connected online was through these chat rooms. Uh, for some reason they have gone by the wayside and, and have turned actually more into either Facebook message groups or text message threads or, um, even things on, yeah, WhatsApp or um, Telegram, you know, all those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so now it's more bringing that audience, since we are targeting a very specific audience, bringing that audience and having more of a, a in-platform, if you will, chat. Um, so you can see, you know, oh, this person's online and whatever else. Like, let's start uh, chatting with them. Because the thing that we've uh, the thing that we've noticed from data from um, a bunch of different companies, from Tinder and and Grinder and everybody else, is that there's actually pretty uh, standard times that people use these apps, <laughs> um, really? and they're normally all on the apps at, at at very similar times. Yeah, uh, if you look at 
if you look at a lot of their data, it shows that people use the applications most uh, most often either on the weekends or in the evenings. Um, during the day, you don't see a lot of activity um, or marginal activity, but the majority of the activity on most of these apps is actually during the evenings and, and on weekends. So you're building something that's hopefully less transactional, less product-based, and more community-driven and more uh, communications-driven, which makes me think of uh, the social networks that exist right now. Yeah. Um, so you're really almost building a... I don't want to say you're building a social network because you're not really, but you have this community um, that you're trying to put together that will organically grow from it because you feel as though that's got more value than the transactional nature of photos that you swap, swipe left and swipe right. And I, I would agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the value and, and, and like, it's very apparent to me too, like just from a business model perspective, um, dating apps normally don't make a lot of money. There are a few exceptions, you know, you, you have those exceptions and that's because they've attained, you know, mass market adoption and that type of thing. First to market, maybe. Exactly. A uh, first mover, um, first mover is definitely has a, has an advantage there. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think differentiates how I think about Believer is really it's it's a platform for a community of people. And so, when I think about it, I think about you know in terms of uh, even having you know um, kind of a news section, so uh, articles and blog posts, kind of like a Huffington Post, if you will, but specifically for uh, for Believer. And I could see um, I could see us having kind of blog content associated with it. Um, I could see us kind of even almost building out like a media arm, if you will, within uh, within the app too, because there are there's uh, a good number of podcasters um, that have you know podcasts related to this topic. There's a good number of um, other things, but there's really no central like website or or central place even for for uh, like I said LGBT plus Christians to go to. There's just not that doesn't exist um, right now. So you will, as a user, be encouraged to provide your real identity and not your some anonymous profile that you've decided to create just to game the system or to, um, you know, use it transactionally. Hundred percent. And one of the things that we're going to build in is uh, um, a verification process. So, mm. you know, you'll have to show uh, a government issued ID um, or some sort of identification that we can that we can use to then uh, verify your identification. Um, it's not going to be required, um, but it will be optional for people. So, if you know you want to verify who you are as a human, you can do that. Um, we will though require an actual photo of you, um, within the application. So you are not, not going to be able to just, you know, post like a <laughs> post, a, an abs picture or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think Airbnb does that, right? You get, mm -hmm. uh, you get a more, uh, you're more trusted if you verify your identity and you're a, you know, qualified host, so to speak. Yep. And we'd put like there'd be a, I you know I think people are very used to the blue check mark. <laughs> yeah, um, verified. Yeah, there'd be something similar to that within the UI, so people could could see that you know this person's been verified and gone through that extra step. This is definitely a concern with the community that we've heard too. Is you know people are like, listen, you know, how do I have confidence that the person I'm talking to is actually the person? Um, and I I I get that that has happened to me too. So I totally understand that. Let's talk about why there's a missing E in Believer. I, I feel like we have to bring that out. <laughs> so Fair Believer enough. is B-E-L-I-E-V-R, Believer. Uh -huh. 
Yep, you got it. To be frank, uh, there's a couple of reasons. I don't know if you've read the book Creative Curve, but one of the one of his um, thoughts behind it is that people are more people can get on board with something if they can relate it to something else. Um, and so, Believer um, has a couple different relations to it, right? Um, most of these apps, these dating apps, uh, end in an ER. Um, so Tinder, you know, that, those types of things have the, that, that ER at the very end. And so it's kind of familiar for people to have that at the very end of a dating app. So you have that. And then also just the idea about believe. Believe is normally attached. And even the word believer is it can be at times attached to Christianity and to Christians. And so there's familiarity with both of those kind of connotations within that word to be able to help uh, people frame what believer is. And sometimes it's actually kind of cool um, when you talk like if I talk to a to a gay Christian, um, it's actually they get the connection fairly easily once I say, Hey, you know, I'm, we're starting a gay Christian dating app. It's believe. And they're like, Oh, that makes sense. Like it's, it's a, uh, there's, I don't have to fight <laughs> to explain it. It makes sense fairly easily. Where do you think believer will be or where, what's your hope where believer will be a year from now? Uh, I would like us to have a year from now, my ultimate dream and goal, and this is, uh, I have this kind of written out and it's posted on my wall right now is to have uh, uh, Android and iOS app launched in the United States. Um, by this time next year, I would like to be in um, five English speaking countries too. So we're targeting Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, um, and a couple others. Um, so I'm hoping to be, have that international by then. And what about five years from now? Five years from now, I would love for us to have um, a presence worldwide. I'd love there to be an office. I'd love for us to have kind of a, a more global media platform. Um, and then potentially even doing like local meetups, a conference. You know, I could see us, I could see us really going deep and, and, and really building community. Um, and I think uh, there's even potential to do kind of this scale or this model of, of how to build community within other um, related fields. Um, you know, I could see us branching out to other types of fields to be able to kind of build the same type of community, um, but just not like a LGBT plus Christian, but I could see it for other either religions or other, other kind of different areas as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think you're onto something. I think you are filling a need, um, on the planet. I think that, um, I can't believe this hasn't been done before. I know it's surprising to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So um, I read the blog post that um, your creative director released, the first blog yes. post. Yes. Um, he, he's great. I love him. <laughs> he's well, awesome. I'm, I'm glad. He's my best friend, so I, I'm glad that you like him. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great way of writing. So Brandon describes you as a pit bull that latches on and doesn't let go until projects <laughs> succeed. <laughs> um, and I've, I've seen you. You're, you're tenacious and determined, um, and I love that. I want to ask you, have you thought about what would give you a reason to pause, a reason to stop and reevaluate Believer and say, oh, I don't, like, I can't we can't do this. We can't go forward. Like, have you thought about that? Yeah, actually in the past, like three weeks. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So I've actually thought about that, uh, fairly often. Um, well, I shouldn't say often, but there have been a couple of times, um, where I've kind of thought, 
is this the right thing to do? And is this um, something that, that I should do is, is, is the kind of the big one for me. So yeah, the, the last one was after, so we, we actually launched our soft launched believer at, a, at the uh, QCF, which is the queer Christian conference based out of um, this year. It was in Chicago in January, which, you know, apparently the conference attendees uh, or excuse me, conference promoters hates, hates everybody because Chicago in January is just miserable. <laughs> well, um, especially this year, it was especially cold. Oh, it was, oh man, it was very cold and that's okay. That's okay. After that, uh, it, it, there was a lot of excitement around Believer, which was really encouraging, and I, and I loved that. Um, but I think it became very real how, um, how much people want this and how much people need this. And, it, and that just was very hard for me because that's a lot of pressure, um, right? And that's a lot of um, a lot of, of expectation from people and and that type of thing. And you know, I, I'm to be frank, you know, I'm just starting a, a new job. I love it. Um, it's a lot of fun. And you know, starting another company and, and doing it justice and and really building out the app like how it should be built out for this type of community and for this community. They just deserve a really, really, really good app and they deserve a really, really, really good experience. Um, and so I, I want to, I definitely took pause and be like, okay, is this something that I can actually do? Um, is this something that I should do? Is this something that I'm capable of doing? Um, and you know, I, at the end of it, I came to a decision and I was like, yeah, actually I think I'm uniquely capable of doing this. And I think if anybody's going to do it, it, it probably should be me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was, but I definitely, um, definitely took pause um, to think through the decision and make sure that it was something that, you know, I could commit to ultimately because it, it is a commitment, you know, it's, uh, it's a commitment to these people. And, you know, I know a lot of them, a lot of them are my friends. Um, and so it's a commitment to them and even to myself that, you know, this is something that that is needed and that is um, vitally important for the community that I live and work with. Very nicely answered. Um, when's your next milestone? When are you launching something? What's 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 coming up? What should we be looking for? Yeah, uh, for sure. Good question. Um, and that's a hard question for me right now, uh, just because we, we don't have, um, we don't have like a firm timeline mainly because we're working with a bunch of people that are just volunteering their time. Um, so right now the focus is really building out an MVP of the application. The goal is to have that out sometime this summer. Um, I'm hoping for early summer. Um, but I can't, you know, promise anything right now just because of, you know, timelines are timelines, right? Like they, (laughs) they change consistently. Um, so more than likely we'll, we'll start to do that, um, a little bit more in the summer. You'll probably start to see, um, more emails coming from us, more updates. I want to do actually, you know, something that's, that's helpful is this, this guest podcast is, um, helpful. So I think, we're probably going to, or not probably, we are going to do a regular update via a podcast, um, kind of a biweekly, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks, maybe, um, kind of update to everybody just to tell them what the, what the progress on the app is. Um, you'll probably start to see some screen designs come out too, just to kind of show people what we're building and how we're building it. Um, the thing, uh, that's the reason why I'm taking, kind of, um, I'm being methodical about this is because there's a lot of very hard product decisions, um, that I have to make, um, and that we have to make to be able to build this, you know, one, one such example is like gender. So gender in this space is, is not a binary issue, um, by any means. And so how do I be as inclusive as I can, right. But yet, 
um, also be efficient within like a, a searching or a matching algorithm. Um, and so it's there's some trade-offs between you know pr- uh, providing a free-form field versus providing like a like a, a more selected option, right? And so thinking through that and making sure that you know if we do provide that, making sure that people feel that they have uh, that they're that they can identify with what with what with, with what's on there, but also be able to you know feel that they have the flexibility for, you know, however they identify to be able to be, um, to select that for themselves. So are you familiar with the Open Demographics Initiative? I am not. You should look that up and all of our listeners should take a peek at that as well. It's an open standard for collecting ID and demographic data in open source communities. So it's, it's, um, it's I guess it's tangentially related to Drupal because we have some crossover of the people that are implementing the um, open demographic standards in the Drupal project. But um, I would very highly recommend you taking a peek for that uh, to that. And if you do a Google search for it, um, open demographics, you'll um, you'll see that. So it's a, a whole lot of um, information and um, kind of standards as to how to implement gender fields. Um, and that might be useful to you. And we'll link to it in the transcript of the podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Right. So we've got kind of a launch date coming up soon um, <laughs> or not, but like summer. We have some hard decisions you're going to be making. Where can we find you online? Uh, believer or just me? Oh, uh, Believer. Yeah. So Believer, uh, it's Believer.app. So B-E-L-I-V-R.app. Um, and then uh, uh, if you want to, just an easy way to link to all of our social media and all that type of thing, it's Believer.app slash share. Uh, and there's links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, all that kind of fun stuff. That's awesome. It's been great talking to you, Adam. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's so good to talk to you. I've, uh, I've, I've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed you too. We should do this again very soon. I would, I would enjoy that. Adam Evers is the founder of Believer, where LGBTQ plus Christians come to find meaningful connections, dates, and life partners. And you can find them online at Believer.app. That's Believer without an E, dot app. Adam is all over the internet as at Adam Evers. And of course, at adamevers.com. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.